Thanks for tuning into Upward Way podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the choir director of the Tokyo Central International Seventh-day Adventist Church. Richard Rowland, welcome to the Upward Way. Thank you, my brother Walter. Thank you for having me here. It's my pleasure to have you just the same. And I know you have quite a story to tell. And so, without further delays, could you just walk us along your faith journey and tell us what led you to the Adventist Church? Okay, um, thank you for asking. And I pray that um, my experience, by God's grace, may touch somebody who might be going through such an experience and we can all find some strength by God's grace. Actually, um, my mother, as I was told, was a seven-day Adventist. In the sense, I was born in the church, but my father was not. My father was actually a fetish priest. So it was, I mean, a big difference. But um, unfortunately, I did not meet any one of them. I don't even know any one of them. But um, in my country, Ghana, and the tribe that I'm coming from, we actually follow our mother's um, line of family. And therefore, um, my sister who brought me up was also in the church and my brother. And therefore, I was a seven-day Adventist from the very beginning of my life. Remarkable. You mentioned that your father was a priest. But I'm not sure if I caught the first part correctly. Did you say a fetish priest? Yes, a fetish priest. Well, I have no idea what that is all about. So could you just shed a little light as to what were his duties or what were the activities? Okay, when we say a fetish priest is, um, I don't know if I should call it a religion, but um, there's people who believe in voodooism and those aspects of um, spiritism. So I did not meet him anyway. Um, both my parents passed before I grew up, so I did not know them. But that is a fetish priest, believe in other spiritism. Okay, so I could imagine that he would do some charms and stuff like that. Okay, I, I understand now. Thank you. Exactly. In terms of your early beginnings, what were things like during those formative years? Well, it was really tough as far as I know. Like I said, my mother passed when I was three months, three months old. So I did not know my mother. And my sister, who was the oldest among the five of us, as a semblance, was also very young at that age. And I can't imagine how she and my, the brother who was next to her, um, they were both, I think, between 16 and uh, 15 years to take care of all of us. So it was a very difficult situation. I mean, I don't know how God made it, but I mean, <laughs> it was really, really tough. At home, sometimes 
um, even what to eat was a trouble. <laughs> How was church life? What was that about? Since my mother, as I was told, was a seven-day Adventist, so my brothers and my, my sisters, it was a part of our life to go to church every Saturday. And therefore, regardless of whatever we are going through every Saturday, my sister was a very active in the church. So she will, I mean, make sure that we dressed well or with whatever we have and go to church. And <laughs> the interesting thing is she was a, a deaconess and she wanted to, to show us that um, as the Bible says, when we come to the house of God, we must not come with nothing in our hands. We should bring something as an offering. <laughs> At that age and with that responsibility, she didn't have anything to give us to put in the offering tray when it used to be a, a, a tray that they used to pass it on. So when she comes, she will rather dip her hand into the offering somebody has already dropped it, give it to me, and make sure that I put it back. It was a kind of a way to teach us how um, to serve the Lord. She was a very dedicated um, Christian. And so that was it. Every Saturday we go to church. And because of that, I myself begin doing church work, um, being part of even the leadership of the church from a very early age of mine, well, somewhere around 15, 16, I was already in the leadership of the church. Amazing, amazing. That's quite a sister you have there. Though resources were scarce, she wanted to impress upon your hearts the need, the necessity to return to God from that which you have. So just by the action of allowing you to just to drop, you were taught benevolence. That is something that we would do well to emulate as older siblings and of course, importantly, as parents. We know people tend to invest quite a lot of time into their own developments. They focus on getting married. They focus on acquiring land, acquiring car, traveling the world, things like those. But quite frequently, they neglect their spiritual dimension. Now, how do you actively pursue your own spiritual growth? The only thing that I was taught by my sister, I mean, my sister and my brother, my brother was the one, you know, going out to work and try to bring something in. My sister was taking care of us. So most of my um, spiritual bringing up was from my sister. What she told me at the beginning is like, we know, Richard, you know, we don't have anybody to depend on. The only person that I can assure you that he can always be there for you is God. Because our mother who brought us into this existence is no more. And myself, she told me, referred to herself. I don't know when, but there is somebody I know that is always going to be there for you. And therefore, just put your trust in him. And the only way to know about that person is by the word of God. Read the Bible and put all your trust in everything that the Bible says. And he's told me that by so doing, you will never be misled. And so that is how I began my life. And all my um, belief and my uh, movement was based on 
that saved the Lord. If it goes against the word of God, I cannot handle that. It's not, it's not for me. So my growth was based on that, the word of God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Remarkable. I love that one so much. You have mentioned your love, your, your passion for reading the words of God. And so, which book or what books of the Bible would you say would have had the most impact on your life? I think it is the Psalms. Life was so hard. And therefore, the book that gave me comfort and um, a kind of encouragement was the book of Psalms. And especially Psalm 34. It is the book that since my childhood, anytime I feel like I'm discouraged, when I feel like there is nothing, no one for me, I will go back to the same Psalm 34. And I like um, verse 9 and 10, which says, Fear, oh, fear the Lord, you, his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lion lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. When I read this, that those who fear the Lord will not lack any good thing, that really encourages me. And therefore, when I am in, in a stage of um, despair, I only think that it is not yet that the God will give me that good thing that I need. So even if the, anything that is around me seems to fade away, I just believe that, well, this is the good thing that the Lord sees best for me, and therefore I accept it. Wonderful. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. These are promises that we can rest on. These promises help us to have faith and confidence in the Lord. You currently serve as the choir director of the Tokyo Central International Church. Could you just walk us through your transition from Ghana into Japan and tell us what was that experience like to begin with? That is a, a very profound, very big, but I'll try to you know, make it a little. Take your time. Take your time. No rush. Okay. <laughs> like I said, um, I had my brother and my sister taking care of me. So after completing school, my brother, who was next after my sister, um, left for Europe, that is what's in Germany, and spent about six years in Germany. No, I, actually it was three years in Germany. And then he returned back to Ghana. That was um, in 1986, he returned back to Ghana. So he, he left 1983 and returned 1986. And then he spent a little, some time in Ghana, um, and then he decided to travel again. Then he came to Japan. So after he came to Japan, I think by that time, I was already um, grown up. That was 1991. That he decided, like, look, we are um, five of us, three are women, and two of us are the men. And he realized that 
we the men has to you know support the women and therefore he he thought that it would be best for me to join him here so that we can help and therefore he tried to find a way for me to join him that is how i made it in japan i am just amazed by your family you really have some wonderful siblings and the practices that they have been implementing these are family practices and traditions that many of us or all of us would really do well to emulate as we lend a helping hand to each other you know when i reflect upon his attitude it reminds me of the way god thinks about us all the time so your brother he was not selfish but he thought about you and also your sister that is remarkable now to ask a few questions relating to your role now as choir director ever you know watched you conduct the choir a few times and i've also heard you sing so could you just share the insights as to how you came to be a choir director like i said i was brought up in in the church and you know my brother himself was a singer he was part of the choir the church choir and um, because of our background i think the only thing that kept me my brother and all my sisters going was singing songs i remember when we go to church and we would have to travel a very far distance and we walk on our foot to church and on our way going our my brother would be singing and it was interesting that sometimes i used to see him when he sing and he would be kind of dancing and you know and regardless of whatever we have gone through out through the week which i which is very difficult situation but when it when the sabbath comes and we are going to church the appearance and the face of my brothers and sisters the way is it is as if they are coming from a very rich background they will be happy and they will be singing and because of that i developed love for singing and uh, i joined the choir and i was part of the choir and someone at the choir director realized that um i have that uh, gift of leadership in me i was one of the youngest in the church but he decided to train me to become the director of the choir i have no clue about music until today i can't read anything but he taught me how to conduct and how to sing and how to teach songs so by hearing i listen to song and i break them with my with my own head and then i can teach the the parts and uh, so that is how i was brought up so singing just became part of me i just don't know how god impacted that in me but actually um the hymns are so spiritual so whenever i got some there are many hymns like day by day this a blessed hour of prayer this kind of songs really keep me going because it kind of encourages me for me to put my trust in the lord amen praise the lord richard what would have been your greatest challenge in terms of being choir director well i think uh I am a bit impatient <laughs> that is my weakness <laughs> and you know working with people takes patience that is why I admire um, Moses very much because 
to work with people, really, you need to be patient. Sometimes you want things to be done in a certain way and somebody wants in a certain way. Sometimes you want a little, you know, focus on what we are doing and somebody will be playing and stuff like that. In Japan, I try, I try as much as I can to hold back. But, you know, because of culture differences, because we are international community. But back home, <laughs> sometimes you will come to choir um, practice and when they start to behave, even in the middle of their practice, I close. I say, we are done. <laughs> I recently, one of my, my friends is a pastor, and he was part of the group. So he was referring me to all this kind of... <laughs> so the challenges is like, um, sometimes some of us are not serious during practice. And that is the only challenge that I have. But we keep going by God's grace. <laughs> Well, it's good that you could identify impatience as one of your weaknesses. It's really and truly quite a difficult undertaking at times to lead God's people and to get the desired results. Now, in terms of talking about challenges as well, as people of God, we undoubtedly face our own difficulties, our own challenges. We have our own crucibles to bear. So from your own experience, what would have been one of your greatest challenges? Okay, I think my greatest challenge that I had that for a while, I was more or less a backslider, I can say. When I came to Japan, I think the second year, my second year, things were very difficult because as you know, Japan is vast different from the experience that we have in my country. Having to have a job was a very difficult thing. We have to pay. There were some people we called job brokers. It was some of the Asians who have traveled here also in Japan. And because they were able to read and write, they would just go and buy those pamphlets that the Japanese companies have advertised their companies looking for workers. And they will just, you know, take money from you and introduce you to the company. And, you know, Japanese, they would like introduction. Even if they need workers and you go there, you say, you, you want, I want a job, they wouldn't. They will refuse you. But while somebody has called them and say, I'm introducing somebody for you, they will just accept you. So it was a very difficult time. And the time that I came to Japan, it was the, the time that their bubble experience was actually falling. So to have a job was a difficult one. You know, back home, it is a community church. And everybody cared about everyone. And we know the business of everyone. So I was expecting such interaction also in TIC, in our church here. But then I found it to be not so. So we was in a difficult, in a very tight situation, needed a help. But unfortunately, I couldn't get such a help. Um, we will come to church. You will tell about your problems and we will only people pray, but the action was not there. People will not, you know, lend you a hand for you to come out from that situation. And actually, I later on begin to get it from people who were not Christians. And at that moment, I began to ask questions. Do we really have that God in our hearts? as Christians or 
the ungodly much better than us. And at that point, I begin to draw back, you know, slow but sure. And I used to come to church though, but my heart was not there. And I think that is one of the things that maybe we must be careful as Christians. We tend to focus much about the the souls that are far away that we need, I mean, to get them for Christ, which is good. But we tend also to forget that there are people in our midst that need that help to keep them alive. So I think maybe in this, we might take that warning that there are people very close to us that we should really um, look up to help them. That was the greatest challenge. You would have mentioned a few things that I have to piggyback on. And one of the first would have been the bubble that you mentioned. Now, for my listeners, whenever we hear people talk about a bubble, we immediately think about COVID-19. But <laughs> Richard was not talking about the COVID-19 bubble, but he was talking about the Japanese economic bubble that popped during the early 1990s. And so the economic situation would have taken a hit. So that was what he was talking about right there. Now, let me move to the second point that you mentioned which I consider sometimes to be an indictment against some of us as Christians, where we talk the, the nice things we offer to pray for these persons, and sometimes we will even encourage, but we fall short, where we should now do the physical thing or, or do the practical thing, which is to give the person some money, to give the person some clothes, to offer a more meaningful solution to these individuals. And, and so we have to safeguard against saying things but falling woefully short in terms of the practical approach. And as you said in your story there, it wasn't so much that you were not interested in God or the things of the Lord. You had the interest because you still went to church each and every week, but the human relational aspect was really missing. And so you really and truly felt uncomfortable in the household of faith. Now, let me ask you a pretty light-hearted question. What would surprise most persons about you? Oh, okay. I think uh, because of maybe my background and what I've gone through, hardly things surprises me, whether in a <laughs> bad situation or good situation. Whatever I come across, I seem to have the courage to overcome them. From my beginning, things were very difficult. And therefore, I don't expect anything, anything greater than what I've gone through. So if things become so difficult, I still sit back and smile because I know that it's still going to pass. <laughs> so <laughs> what people actually admire about me is how I handle some situation that I should have maybe panicked about it or be afraid of what is ahead of me. But then I'll be smiling and then, you know, keep my cool, feeling that it shall be all right. And I think by God has helped me with that kind of courage. I don't really <laughs> panic right. when things go wrong. All right. So persons are surprised by how composed you are, even in the face of adversity. Yes, that's right. Thank you. I must say that's a pleasant surprise indeed, pleasant surprise. 
<laughs> in a conversation with someone who has never heard about God, what would you say to them about God from your own experience? That is, who is God for Richard? That is a very interesting question that um, I have come across several times, especially with my life here in Japan. In my dealings, you meet people that have no clue who God is. They think that God can be anything that you choose. But um, to me, God is the owner of life. And he chooses to give to his creation what he deems best. And therefore, God is ever-present. There is no time that you can think that God cannot see what is going on or God cannot feel what is happening to you. He is ever-present. And therefore, to me, God is like a friend. I could feel God like my own clothes. So whenever anything happened to me, I just feel like once God is here with me, then I have nothing to be afraid of. That's quite an interesting way of putting it. I really like that. God is like our own clothes because we dare not go out without wearing our clothes. And that tells me how close God is to you. Now onto a question that many of us don't necessarily consider or contemplate, but what would you say would be the easiest thing about being Christian? Like Jesus said uh, when he was living, he said that it is better for you that I go. And when I go, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And the word that he uses, Palakritos, which means someone who is so close to you that you cannot separate it, something close to you. And that's why in the analogy of clothes I used earlier on, because if you are a person in, a right, in your rightful mind, will not go out without a cloth. So Paracletus is just like our own cloth, very close to us. And that make it easier as a Christian if you got to understand that. Like I said, I was born an orphan. I lost both my parents in my early age, which means no matter how close with, you are with any human being, it's just a matter of time. One day, something might separate you. If it is a friend, sometimes misunderstanding. If it is a, you know, a couple, sometimes anything can happen. So if you tend to depend on whatever, I mean, your achievement, anything, it might fail. But like my sister said, here we have a God who can never fail. And therefore... The easiest thing as a Christian can have and cherish so much is to understand and have the feeling that that God is with you. And whenever you have that feeling, it's like the whole world is for you. And that is why I do not admire so much when whatever someone has and whatever a new development and whatever, I feel like all these things are for me because my God got the whole world in his hands. And so if you want to give it to me, I could have it without asking anybody. My sister told me that, look, if somebody is holding something, like, let me say, a Bible, and you want the Bible, you don't go to that person and say, give me that Bible. Because if you go to that person, that person may fail you, and then you will lose your confidence. But 
Go to God and ask God, God, I want that Bible. And God will know how to get that Bible for you. Because I have that feeling that he is with me in every situation. If I don't have it today, I know that, like Psalm 34 say, it is because God doesn't see it as the good thing that I need. So if I have a need of it, God will never let me lack it. And that is the easiest life that I think every Christian can depend on, to have God in your life and your heart. And this is practical. I mean, when you are saying this, people might think that it's, oh, this is just a theory. It's not, uh, you know, it's not real. In the same verse, you say, test and see that the Lord is good. You just have to test it by yourself and you will realize that it is the most easiest life to live. Taste and see that the Lord is good. My final question to you today, is there anything that you feel that God is calling you to do at this moment? If you could start one ministry, what would that be? And also, who would it serve? Oh, great. You see, when you are brought up like the way I was brought up, you hardly have something like, this is my dream and work towards it. Because, you know, it's like a wave. It blow you here and there. It was very difficult to focus. Now, when I grow up, if there is anything that I feel like if I had an opportunity that I should have become a minister because I love it so much when I am sharing the word of God and my experiences with others and I see the joy in their heart and how people want to, I mean, embrace and experience that God that I'm talking about. So I feel like, oh, how I wish I was a minister. I think it is not, it's still not too late, but like you said, um, if there is anything that I want to do, I want to become a full-time minister for God. Well, my brother, as you said earlier, if you see the Bible, for example, and you would like to have it, you don't need to go to your fellow men to ask of it, but you ask the Lord, and He has the authority, He has the power to bless you with that Bible. As His Word says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. So I hope that he will grant you one day that desire to be a full-time minister in his vineyard. So my listeners, my guest today has been Richard Rowland. He serves as the choir director of the Tokyo Central International Seventh-day Adventist Church. Now, Richard, just before we go, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? Oh, yes. Okay, I want to encourage all our friends that we must not lose our focus or lose our hope. We must keep on believing that saith the Lord. There has been a lot of translation. People are reinterpreting the word of God to suit their own theory and their understanding. And sometimes we get, you know, waved by such interpretation. But if there is anything that can keep our faith strong and help us to be faithful unto God, is to take the word of God at it is. Because any reinterpretation or rewriting of God's word will not help us. Because the word of God, as he says, that it was brought to us 
by the people that God himself have sanctified. So it is the word of God. And it is to direct us also to shape us for the work of God. So even though we are living in that in this pandemic era, that people have different kind of interpretation to what the situation that we are going on, let us focus on the word of God and take the you know, literal interpretation of the word of God. And if we depend on that, we will not be moved. Jesus is coming. He will come, as his word says. And all this, what is happening around us, the signs of the time point to the fact that indeed our Lord is coming. And will he come and meet us in the faith, as Paul said? The faith is the most important. Recently, people are now arguing about faith, but without faith, no one can please God. No one can please God. And therefore, Paul himself, before he left, said, if the Lord shall come, will he find faith on this earth? So my, my last word to my brothers and sisters all over the world is, please guide the avenue of your faith by the word of God. Nothing but the word of God, the Bible and the Bible only. And for that, you will stand every storm that come on your way because Jesus himself is going to hold you up. May God bless you all for listening. Thanks for tuning in to The Upward Way. Do join us again next week as we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.